Jason Scorse, and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. Hope everybody is doing great. So today's episode, titled How Democrats Can Square the Circle on Policy and Messaging, is kind of in response to this moment here that we're having, where there's a lot of hand-wringing about how poor Biden is doing, and the Dems are in disarray. It's a favorite pastime of the absurd corporatist media that it can't and is incapable of calling out a party of traitors and insurrectionists, but loves to go after anyone trying to make America a better place. And they just cannot serve a constructive purpose because, again, it's the kind of sensationalist, you know, leads and ultimately the corporate masters at the head of these Corporate giants don't really want to see taxes raised on the rich. They don't necessarily want to see progressive policy, and they love the kind of chaos and, uh, you know, the, the narratives that just kind of drive clicks and fear and anger. And the analysis, you know, even in some of the pol- publications that are can do good journalism, like the New York Times, have just been abysmal this last couple months, really ever since the Afghanistan coverage and up until the present. I want to be clear here, though, the things I'm going to talk about today, while I think important for this moment, as Biden and the Democrats do try to kind of get their agenda into law and really salvage this first year of legislating, um, these are universal principles I'm going to put out, or at least universal in the sense of, you know, good to go for the next years uh, and even perhaps the next decade. Um Before I get into the kind of the affirmative cases that I'm going to make and, you know, outline really the the basics of a progressive kind of messaging paradigm worldview, I want to fully acknowledge that Democrats are some having some troubles right now. Right. Um, This is not, you know, a great moment uh, for the Democratic Party in many ways. And the country is going through a number of rough patches, as it has for many, many years and decades. Uh, some of this comes from the fact that the Democrats are a diverse coalition, right? You know, it's just when you have when you're a white supremacist theocratic party of old white people, you're a lot more on the same page, and the Republicans have it easier. Also, as we've talked about on earlier episodes, the Republicans only want to destroy; they don't want to create. So if you just want to destroy and light the house on fire, it's a lot easier than building things. More importantly, though, the Democrats have no margin for error, literally no margin for error. And to repeat something I've said in earlier episodes, the only other two times in the last century that the Democrats have done really major progressive legislation um, you know, if you don't, if you don't encounter Obamacare, but I'll get to that in a second, is when they had huge majorities in Congress, like huge. FDR had huge majorities. LBJ had huge majorities. Even Obama, when you get to Obamacare, which, you know, really fell short of a lot of progressive goals, you know, he had 60 votes in the Senate at that time. 
We have 50 right now. We can literally not lose a single vote. We have no margin for error. This is just incredibly complicated and difficult to do. And it's just important to point that out, right? This whole Democrats and disarray nonsense is just that nonsense, right? The times big things get done is when you have big majorities so that you can lose a few votes, right? That's, that's how it's done. Also, in any other time period, just what Biden has done so far, the increased child tax credit would be huge news on its own. But of course, it gets drowned out with all of the other crises and things that need urgent attention. That's another thing, right? When, when a country lets the problems fester, so we have problems on every front, immigration, child care, education, climate policy, national security, voting rights, civil rights, police reform, you know, it's hard for one thing to stand out because the whole, you know, the whole country needs fixing. Um, also, you know, let's be, let's be clear, the COVID pandemic you know, Delta wave has really put a dent in, the, the you know, Biden's popularity and the Democrats because he's the president while this is going on. And everyone was thinking the summer was going to be a great end of the pandemic. And things didn't go so well these last few months because of the fascist death cult on the right with the help of some left wing extremists who have prolonged this pandemic. And, you know, to the point where, you know, another hundred or two hundred thousand people dead and businesses affected. Um, that's, you know, it's just bad for the people, you know, who are suffering. It's bad for the country, bad for the economy. Um, of course, I think the optics of the Afghan withdrawal were bad for Biden and the Democrats. I don't think the withdrawal on substance was bad. But again, the horrible media coverage, some of the images of the chaos, you know, I don't think it's going to matter in a few months. But right now, it's still fresh in the public consciousness. You know, it's worth noting that this past week, Ezra Klein in the New York Times had a long piece with this guy, David Shore, who's a big, you know, Democratic pollster talking about all the potential pitfalls that await the Democrats, not just in 2022, but in 2024 and the rest of the decade and how hard the future is going to be given the undemocratic structure of the Senate and the Electoral College. And these, there's a lot of truth in that. It's a good piece. Ezra, you know, he expresses some reasonable skepticism and he talks about it. But look, we have a crooked system. It's not crooked to Republicans. It's crooked to Democrats, right? This white supremacist electoral college, this white supremacist Senate where Republicans can literally get tens of millions of less votes across the board and actually have majorities of, of, of in governing institutions. Of course, they've packed the Supreme Court and the courts with you know, with all these right-wing rabid extremists. So, you know, we, we the structural situation is fucked up and it, it's not good for progressives. But that being said, all getting that all that out of the way, all the bad media coverage, all the bad structural uh, obstacles the Democrats face, all the actual bad things going on in the country that, you know, whether Biden's fault or not, reflect poorly on the governing party. I think there is still plenty of time to turn things around to pass some great legislation, even if it's not as ambitious as many of us had hoped for, and go into the 22 midterms and the 24 election and the rest of the 20s strong and confident. So after the break, I'm going to outline what I've learned from 20 years of democratic activism on just general principles for democratic messaging and policy that I think we should all internalize to help navigate many of these thorny and difficult you know, kind of messaging and imaging issues the Democrats always find themselves in. And again, this is because we're a diverse coalition. We're trying to, 
you know, reflect a lot of various, you know, um, positions, and that's hard. Uh, we know what the GOP is going to do. They're going to lie, cheat, steal, and stoke fear and racism. It's what they do. It's who they are. They are a fascist, corporatist death cult, period. So it's up to us to put forth a strong progressive vision, and it's not as hard as some people make it out to be. So I will talk about that vision right after the break. Okay, so now let's get into actually squaring the circle here. Before I get into the affirmative case, which I really, you know, that's going to be the bulk of this discussion, let me make a few comments about some things that Democrats should clearly avoid. The first is just, I got to say it straight out, others have said this, I'm not the first, but defund the police was the worst messaging in history for so many reasons. Look, I think... Much of the police force and the police unions in America are just fucking horrific and racist and brutal. But defund the police? Are you fucking kidding me? In a violent society like ours, awash in hundreds of millions of guns, where there's just mass shootings all the time, many people in communities, law-abiding citizens across the country, rightly, I think, are fearful of their neighborhoods, where we have a rabid, racist, right-wing media machine that is going to just, any crime statistic, any murders, any gang activity, it's just going to dial it up to 11. And our message is defund the police. you got to be fucking kidding me. I think that messaging cost the Democrats a couple points in some key races and maybe lost us, you know, a couple key House and Senate races And I mean, it's just such abysmal stupidity. And again, it's like giving gifts to the right wing. Again, reform the police, hold the police accountable, Um, you know, um, racial justice, you know, whatever. There's a million things you can say about the police that don't turn people off. But again, if you're not someone in politics, you don't, you don't, you know, follow the, the fine grain analysis that's under the defund the police mantra, you hear defund the police and you're saying, what do these liberals want to do? They want no police. They want it to be anarchy and chaos. You know, I mean, it's just stupidity. Now, of course, it happened at the time when there was a lot of rioting going on that was associated with a lot of the protests from after the George Floyd murder. We know a lot of those rioting was right wing provocateurs. We know most of the marches were peaceful, but there were also some people on the left, again, not Democrats necessarily, but on the left, who were rioting and there was a lot of unrest. And at that, so juxtaposed over scenes of kind of unrest, we're going to say defund the police. I mean, just again, stupidity of the highest order. So like, please, please reform the police, hold the police accountable, fight for racial justice, all good, not defund. On that note, I think the Democrats do do a disservice to the progressive cause 
when they focus and elevate racial issues to the fore, okay? So this, people might take issue with this, and I'm going to get to this in a few minutes. But the reality is, is that progressive policies do best, and people vote for Democrats and progressives when racial issues have not been activated, when people aren't thinking about racial class and racial groups, right? And unfortunately, there are plenty of racists that are non-white, right? And many white and non-white Americans don't want to be constantly reminded of race. Now, for those of you and those of us who work in issues of racial justice, we might say, well, too fucking bad, right? This is a white supremacist, racist country. You know, we're not here to make you feel comfortable. True, true, that is true. But we're here to win elections and win power. And if you want to win elections and win power, making racial issues front and center is not the way to do it. I'll come back to this in a moment. On that note, don't make wokeness a focus, right? Don't make pronouns and gender, transgender bathrooms the focus. Again, I'm all for the, 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 the core premises of wokeness. I want these things. I want LBGTQ rights in the strongest form. But look, this is something where analysis matters. The median white voter in America is an older blue-collar white person, a 50- or 60-year-old white person in a suburb, in a rural area, or even a city. Wokeness is not their priority and never will be. There are ways to, to advance a woke and racial justice agenda without getting these people turned off. And that's where I want to turn. Because if Dems can avoid these mistakes, just the mistakes, the things not to do, they'll be three quarters of the way to victory. Because most Americans hold a best basic progressive worldview, whether they know it or not, right? They really do. And the, what we do is we keep shooting ourselves in the foot by giving fodder to the right wing to get Americans to focus on things they don't want to focus on instead of the things that are compelling that are part of the progressive vision. Now, some of you might say, well, where do I get you know, to make these claims? Everyone's an armchair pundit and anyone can say anything. And there's, you know, there's people out there who are experts and they've worked in politics and there's consultants and there's all this detailed polling. A, obviously I've read and researched a lot of this, so I'm pretty well informed. But beyond that, it's mostly just common sense, right? The left spends way too much time navel-gazing and focusing on you know, every little cross-tab in a poll and not enough on just basic common sense. So here's the five key points to square this circle, right? Which is to put forth an affirmative vision that gets us what we want without activating the things that turn people off to progressives and Democrats and without giving the right wing fodder to more, you know, intensely lie and cheat and focus on things that people don't like about progressives. Number one, always be on offense, right? No defense, no reaction to things. Once you're on defense, you are losing. I have said this in earlier podcasts. We have truth, science, facts, and morality on our side, right? 
there is no reason ever to be on defense. So just think about it. If you're in an argument with somebody or a discussion or you're putting together a campaign or you're making a phone call or writing a letter to get someone to vote, if you're saying, well, they said that about us, and but it's not really true, you're losing. If you say, well, I don't think that's what Democrats are, you're losing. It's offense. It's affirmative. It's confident. Every statement about the Democrats and the progressives should be affirmative and offensive. Number two, couch racial and social justice in the form of universal fairness and accountability and equal opportunity. These are the values that most Americans relate to. So say, we want the police to be held accountable to treat people of all races equally and nobody to be mistreated. Americans, 95% will get behind that, right? Talk about equal opportunity. Talk about treating everyone with dignity and respect, right? That's what people get behind. Don't just, and again, in that, if we get into power with that message, then we can do things that promote, promote racial justice. We can do things that, you know, hold people to account. You need power in order to do that. Number three, emphasize bread and butter social programs, right? Including, you know, child support. We're here to help working families get money to support their kids. We're here to transition the economy away from dirty, polluting energy that makes people sick and pollutes the environment and leads to oil spills and fouls our beaches and our waterways to clean energy with good jobs, with honest wages for honest work. Right, bread and butter, social stuff. We're here to help you get good at healthcare. Whatever the issue, just make it simple. Make it someone who doesn't have a college degree, who's working hard, who doesn't read a, a learn about a politics a lot. Pay attention. It's going to go. Yeah, I get behind that. It shouldn't. It should be automatic. It sh- they shouldn't need to know any details. They just should be able to nod their head along and go. Yeah, I get behind that. Number four. How do we pay for this? We pay for that by taxing the rich, big corporations, and going after tax cheats, right? That is extremely popular. If someone says, Democrats, you know, big spend, social liberals, no, 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 no. We we believe in in the rich paying their fair share, and we don't believe in tax cheats getting away with hundreds of billions of dollars. They should pay so that you can get good goods and services. Boom. End of story. Finally, State strongly that the GOP, the Republican Party, is a fascist party. It doesn't believe in democracy and basic norms. Their their leader is an insurrectionist and a traitor. They're spreading lies and trying to overturn basic fabrics of you know principles of our nation to destroy the constitutional system. Right? These people are frauds. They say they believe in the Constitution, but they're ripping it up before our very eyes. Right. Again, make the Republican Party into the evil fascist cult it is all the time. Never speak of them in a positive tone. Always degrade them because they deserve it. Right. A Republican in 2021 who still, you know, at the federal level supports the Republican Party doesn't deserve respect. Now, maybe the Adam Kinzinger or the Liz Cheney, a tiny, tiny modicum. But that's two out of, you know, more than 200 And so, you know, paint the GOP as the fascist, anti-democratic cult that it is. Now, um, this isn't rocket science, right? It's common sense, 
right? We can achieve the majority of progressive goals because they're based in truth and popular vision of America's. So again, common sense, not rocket science. I'll come back with the antidote after the break. For the antidote for today, it's very simple. No left-wing defeatism, right? If I had a dollar for every left-wing or progressive was always saying, oh, the Democrats are going to get clobbered in the midterms. Oh, we're going to lose Congress. Oh, we're going to lose this. Oh, we're never going to have power again. Oh, 2024, Trump might come back. Look, stop that shit now. I heard the same thing in the Georgia Senate races when it was the runoffs. No way Democrats are going to win two Georgia Senate seats. Oh, my God, Mitch McConnell is going to be, you know, the leader of the Senate. I didn't believe that shit. I sent 500 bucks to Warnoff and Ossoff. I sent postcards urging people to get out to vote, and we won both those seats. And imagine the world we'd been, been in if we didn't, if we had given in to defeatism. Right? We'd have Mitch McConnell running the Senate. No court picks. No none of Biden's cabinet. Economic sabotage and terrorism. No 9-11, no January 6th commission, right? No progressive legislation. It would be fucking hell. It would be hell. And we didn't have to go down that way, and we won. And even though things are tough, it is night and day better with the Democrats in control. Like, I mean, people, if we could only see that counterfactual, if we hadn't won both those Senate seats in Georgia, and it it would be a nightmare, right? So yes, the electoral map sucks. Yes, the Democrats have obstacles that are unfair. But you know what? Let's suck it up. We can win and we can win everywhere and always if we don't give up, right? So no defeatism and weakness. Project confidence and strength. Progressives, we are on the right side of history and the right wing is not. Period. End of story. So let's act like it. Let's get our house in order. Use common sense deliver some good progressive victories, and keep fighting. And that way we can keep winning, right? It's not, uh, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. So with that, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, please rate it. Please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. And you can subscribe on Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify, and Stitcher. And with that, everybody, have a great rest of the week. Take care. (laughs) 